You are listening to the UR Techie Podcast, episode number 133. Welcome to the UR Techie Podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. Hey, moms, are you trying to break into tech? Are you wondering what skills you really need to get hired and how those skills can be worth $45 an hour instead of the $25 an hour you thought when you first started thinking about going back to work? If so, then the Your Techie membership is for you. Our combination of courses, coaching, and community come with the mentor support you need to keep moving forward in your tech career. It's like no other membership program available. We have the exact skills employers are looking for. You'll learn how to maximize your income with portfolio-ready skills that hiring managers are seeking, not to mention the steps you can skip so you don't find yourself down that endless tech learning rabbit hole. Join me as I walk you step-by-step through the getting hired process in tech. Sign up at youartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I can't wait to see you in our membership. Oh boy, am I amped up for this show today, folks. Today we are discussing the topic, do you support women in tech? Really? And I hold nothing back. I've had some calls recently where organizational leaders are not quite getting it. They say they want women in tech, but they're stuck in their old ways of thinking and it is so painful. So I'm here today to lay it out for you, help you organizations who want to have women in tech, you want to understand why it's not working for you, why you're not getting the candidates of women in tech. And it's not that hard. It's not that hard. It only requires a few small shifts in your processes and in your mindset, and you are going to have great results. I'm going to lay it out for you today, and I'm a bit amped. So I hope my message reaches the right people. My podcast listeners, I want to recommend, I want to beg you to share this with the right people. So if you had an interview and they did not quite get it, I want you to share this with them. If you had an interview and these folks are trying to do the right things, but they're just not sure what to do, I want you to send this to them. Or if you are meeting folks who are doing the right things, they're doing all the right things for women in tech, and you want to send them a pat on the back, send them this episode because it is going to be so, so important in terms of really changing the dynamic of getting more women in tech. Because, hey, we only have 20, let's call it 25% if you use the Deloitte statistic, depends on which stat you're using. It's somewhere between 20 and 25% of tech positions are held by women. So that is crazy. Folks, I got a degree over 20 years ago in technology And it feels like that statistic has not improved at all. And that is just painful. And I know there are so many women out there who want to do this. I know that they do. But really understanding the dynamics of what is causing women to not go into tech, it's not that they don't like it, it's not that, or are causing them to not make that connection or causing organizations to not really feel like they're finding the right candidates, this is going to lay it out for you. So. Here you go. We are going to crush that 25% statistic right now. Okay. Now, the first piece to do you support women in tech really 
is you must hire new. Okay, I'm hopping onto my soapbox. Here we go. Hire new. Now, this does not mean unqualified. It doesn't mean not capable. It just means new. And it means that they've demonstrated their capabilities, different experience. Okay, so you take prior experience that's not in tech, and then you add tech skills. So all of my students commit to learning technology. They all do the work. They sit down, they do UX design, they do development. They're in GitHub, they're putting their portfolio together, they're in Figma. They're doing the work. They're acquiring the new skills. But that doesn't mean that they're starting from zero. They have all this other amazing experience ranging from teaching to OT to PT to nutrition to running a household, just so many different things to being a physician, a lot of different careers that they've had with transferable skills that are not a stretch. They're really easy to see. Okay, if you can manage a classroom and you can project manage or you have great communication, written communication, verbal communication, that is such an effective thing on a tech team. Communication is mostly responsible for the roadblocks in technology development, design and development. So if you have someone who can really cut through that and help you with that communication strategy and just be on the front lines in terms of helping other people communicate and move forward, that's going to save you a ton of time, help you create much more effective products and a much more efficient process. And I love me some efficiency. <laughs> and then when you're talking about acquiring the new skills, here's the thing. Once you've proven that you have a couple of tech projects under your belt, it is irrelevant if they know the exact language that you have at your organization. It's not the most important thing. If they've proven that they can learn it from nothing into a new project, then they're going to be able to adapt that same learning skills to whatever language you have. And I don't just mean development language, but whatever systems you have in process. If you develop a product from beginning to end, that is going to be enough real tech experience to add value to most organizations and most tech teams. So when we say hire new, what I want to ask you is, are you looking at the relevant experience that's transferable to tech? And then think about the type of person that it requires to go from, say, being a teacher to a UX designer. That takes a very determined person and someone who is willing to do the work. And so I really want you to think about that. If you're a hiring manager, think about the type of person that you're getting to really shift their identity to do the personal development work and the technical work. That is a very a special person that can do something like that. So if they don't check every one of your boxes, that's not going to be an effective way to look at the value that they're going to bring to your organization. They're going to be someone who can bring bold ideas and push things forward even when it's hard. So hire new. If you really are someone who supports women in technology, then you're going to hire new. If you're just pulling people from another organization and saying, oh yeah, we have a lot of diversity here. See, we've pulled people from this one organization over here. Well, no, then you're just hiring someone who has experience. That's not really making a dent in that statistic because you're not bringing anyone new in. All right, speaking of the checkboxes, in terms of filling your positions, to hire a new person necessarily means that they will not check your boxes. They're not going to check your boxes. Box checking is the antithesis of diversity. It's also a little bit lazy, okay? 
I understand that we're using checkboxes to effectively communicate a lot of information in a small amount of space. I get it. But you're also putting up walls. So what I recommend is that you put on your job posting, candidates are encouraged to apply even if they don't meet all the qualifications. This is a small but important step. I know a company, 37 Signals, they do this. Okay, companies out there are doing this the best. Really, they're a good benchmark. The best types of companies to work for, they do this. And how hard is that? To just add a line. Candidates are encouraged to apply even if they do not meet all the qualifications. Now, you might be saying, well, I want to type a person who would just do it anyway. Now, there are debates all over the internet. You know how reliable the internet statistics are. But there are debates about the percentages, percentage of requirements that an average applicant of a male will apply for versus a female. But needless to say, in general, men require that they meet fewer qualifications to feel confident that they can apply for a job. They're going to apply when they meet, say, some people say 60%, I've heard 40%. And women are going to need to, they're going to want to meet more of those qualifications. And again, this is on average. This is not every single woman, but it is important that this message gets out here because I wish that you could hear my students and how they are trying to be honorable. And basically, they don't want to be a liar. When they read that job posting and they see all those qualifications, and this is with me chirping in their ear, hey, if you don't meet them all, still apply, still apply. They still feel like, hey, I don't want to be disrespectful to people's time. I don't want to be disrespectful to the application process. So that one line could get you some really high quality candidates who are also very honorable people who are just trying to honor your process. And your process is currently keeping them out without even knowing. So internally, you might be saying, well, we just have high standards. This is the best candidate we're looking for. But for example, my students may have fewer qualifications in tech, but way more qualifications in other areas, leadership, project management, communications, just uh, so many different things, too many to name. Most of my students have technical skills in other technologies other than UX design and development. They kind of come to it. They're like, oh, I'm really good at say, video editing, for example, but there are just dozens that they would be good at. And then they think, oh, I'm really good at this. Then, you know, I think I could be in this tech thing because I'm really good at this one tech aspect. Maybe I could be good at creating products. And it's not that they're immediately transferable, but think about it. That's not going to be on your list, but it is definitely demonstrating, you know, someone's facile with technology. They're able to learn and adapt quickly. And that's a really important piece. So you're, you don't want your processes to keep those people out that one simple line can be very helpful. So to organizational leaders, if you're not getting enough female candidates, you're like, well, they don't apply. Then this could be the reason they don't apply. You're putting up walls that you don't even realize. Now, another important piece to your process, besides just the job posting, is if you have a rigid internal hiring process, like you're trying to make sure everybody is super qualified. So you have this one rigid process. You give them a test. And then you've been using this for years. I mean, it's really effective, right? And it's yielded mostly a male tech force. If your stats are below 25, eek, yikes, that's really rough. Then you've got to look at your processes and say, 
hey, maybe there's something about this process. Now, I want to strongly suggest that you change your test. I want to strongly suggest that. And it's not because women are not good at taking tests. That's not true. It's not because they're not good enough at tech. That's not true. But the test was likely not done or written with a female perspective. How do I know that? How can I make that possible leap? I don't know, because 75 to 80% of tech positions are held by men. So likely the candidate who wrote it was a male. And even if you're using a third party test, that is still likely written by a man. And you say, well, is that a problem? It is, because you are likely putting up walls that you don't even realize. Now, instead of this rigid process, consider offering a real world scenario in your process of hiring that requires more than one person. Yeah, make communication and even helping a team member part of the process. Menlo Innovations does this in their hiring process. So in other words, if you just say, here's your design challenge, go off and do it, you're not getting the full capabilities of that person. You're not getting the full capabilities of how they help other team members. Maybe they don't have the context that you have. There are lots of different elements here so I encourage you to put them in a real world problem that you know, and we're all going to work on this problem together. <laughs> what? I'm not suggesting that all the work has to be done collaboratively. And yes, I'm an extrovert. I know. But tech is a collaborative process. Even if you are sitting there doing the work alone, and I am an extrovert who loves quiet work time. Ask my kids. Maybe it's because I have five. I don't know. But I love focused, quiet work. And it's beautiful and important, but it's not going to give you everything you need from a candidate because you have context that they can't possibly have. So consider a test written by a female. Consider offering a problem at your current work and bringing in more than one candidate or having a candidate work with someone on your team and see how they work within the context of a team. This is being done by some of the best and most innovative companies out there. It absolutely can work for you. It can make hiring a little more interesting, and you can get to know that person and see if you're actually going to enjoy working with them. I mean, if you really don't enjoy working with the person, you're going to automatically put roadblocks into the technology, even if you don't want to. Because you're going to see that people on that team don't want to go to that person. Well, they pass the test really well, but I can't stand them. So I'm just going to avoid them. It doesn't work in isolation. So consider that your processes could actually be deterring some of your best candidates. Now, do you support women in tech? Consider hiring for learning. And for this, I really want to encourage you to read the book Smart Growth by Whitney Johnson, and in which Johnson describes how our careers are a series of S-curves in which we jump to a new curve when we're ready to acquire a new set of skills. It doesn't necessarily mean a new job. So there's that concept tour of duty. But if we just do the same thing for our entire career, we tend to get bored and lazy and not really innovative on it. We really need to have a more innovative approach to our workforce. I mean, think about it. We're not doing jobs that are stagnant and we can just do the same thing for 30 years. Today's workforce 
And especially, there is no better example than tech. The tech workforce is about learning. You have to be capable of learning new things. So really, the benchmark should be how well does this candidate learn? That's the person who's going to be really excellent at your organization and contribute well. So in terms of the S-curve, when you're at the bottom of the S-curve, you're acquiring new skills and you can feel a little overwhelmed and it can be really challenging. That's what my students, they come in at that point. And so throughout, they're working through that to get to the sweet spot of the S-curve. And that's where you want a lot of your workforce because they're going to be getting dopamine hits from their work because they know it well. They're in a great spot, but they're still challenged by the work. But then when they get up to the top of the S-curve and they're in mastery, that's when they're at a point where they might be getting a little bit sluggish or bored with their work. And that's going to be a problem for your organization. And so maybe those people who are at mastery, their new S-curve is to become a trainer, a manager, a leader, a master to an apprentice. Maybe that's the dopamine hit that those people are going to be getting in terms of moving your organization forward. It could be exactly what the doctor ordered. And so the question I have for you is, do you need a senior really? Because I have heard this over and over again. Well, we need a senior. We need a senior. We got to have a senior person. It's really important we have a senior. Now, I work with and talk to a lot of startups, and that is true. You have to have some seniors on staff. Absolutely. But if you have all seniors, you may be actually slowing your own progress. Because a senior can make you as the organizational leader feel really confident that, hey, they'll figure anything out. But your confidence could actually be slowing the system down because you're just plugging and playing something that you think is the easy button. And maybe a system that has energy and excitement and momentum, that's actually going to move your organization forward. It might even cause you to think a little bigger. And bringing in new people could do that because you could enable your seniors to be challenging them and they could be doing some things that, oh, your seniors don't want to do anyway, so they put off. And there are just so many different dynamics. So it's important. And this is one of the things that Johnson talks about in smart growth is that you have to have people at all aspects. You can't just be, oh, I need another sweet spot. I need another sweet spot. Or I need another mastery. I need another mastery. That is what you're doing if you aren't looking at how we can hire new, how we can bring new people into the fold and train them and help bring in people who are great at learning. Otherwise, you're going to be making these very small gains because people could even be taking the product in their own direction and be doing back work. You just have a bunch of seniors and it's not collaborative because they're not contributing enough. Everybody wants to contribute, right? You've got to challenge the seniors. Well, how many different challenges do you have? Sometimes you need people to kind of row the boat with them. And so in order to do that, you can have this energy and excitement that is going to give you a much more transformative work culture. Otherwise, you might be looking at 2% gains and who wants to live life that way? I'd much rather have some fresh perspectives and maybe I have to go over things, you know, two or three times. I'd much rather have that, but have the energy and enthusiasm that's going to give me the momentum to build a culture and a workforce that is really excited and it's going to have energy behind it. And that's going to have our product that's going to spill over to our users. Notice how I haven't even talked about empathy. <laughs> I haven't even talked about how your diverse perspective is going to help your users and help with an empathetic perspective. Because if you don't have women in tech, if you don't have 
about 50%, you're missing out on about 50% of your customers. You're not getting their perspective. So you could absolutely get great gains in that, in terms of diversity and perspective. And so I just kind of gloss over that because I think generally that one people are getting, what's not happening is some of these processes that are in place that are really challenging for people like my students to get into the workforce. You're missing these candidates. I'm telling you they're excellent. I'm telling you they're qualified. I'm sure they can be very valuable to your organization, but they are going to check your check boxes. Because, I mean, do you support women in tech really? I know for a fact that my students are working hard sometimes to a fault. Sometimes they're overworking just to prove to you how qualified they are instead of making inroads into telling you that they're ready to work. They jump through these hoops to find a network that's going to help them get hired and they put themselves out there and they do the work. They learn, they grow, they push themselves, they do brave things. What more do you want in a candidate? And so if you're saying, yeah, hey, I would love to meet your candidates. I would love to meet your students. Well, we have developed a partnership and you can go to youartechie.com slash partnerships to find out more. If you're interested in meeting our UR Techie students. But if you are hoping that we will fill your open positions by doing things the same old way, that doesn't work for us. You see, we're going to protect our students by only partnering with organizations who actually support women in tech, who support women in tech, really. And we'd love for you to join us, but we are doing things differently. We are not doing the check boxes. Did you notice we said partners? We're working with partners who want to help us and we help you. It's a value for value exchange and it's a beautiful thing, but it is about changing the way and the dynamics that hiring and retention is done. And I am so grateful that you listened to this. And I hope this podcast has been informative. To my students who are listening, keep going. Use this information to educate those people that you're out there talking to. Whether they're doing it right or wrong, this is the message we need to echo. Because you, my friends, are the moms in tech movement. You are helping more women get into tech by just being out there yourself and spreading this message. We are so grateful for your leadership and the women just starting out in their tech journey. They are so grateful for your leadership and for you potential partners. We would love to talk to you if you liked what we had to say today. We would love to meet you and you can go to yourtechie.com slash partnerships to learn more and to get in touch with us and to hear more about how we can change the dynamic of tech positions held by women for the better. Thank you so much for being with me. I'll see you next time. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at URTechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.